Welcome to Pub Natter, where we record each episode in a different pub in Rutland, the smallest county in England. In each episode, your hosts, Tim and Justin, give a voice to the landlords and landladies and a special guest with a specific area of interest or expertise. We hope you enjoy our chats and it encourages you to go and explore our little county and all it has to offer. Like the motto says, there is much in little. This episode was recently recorded at the Whipper Inn, Oakham, Rutland, just as it was being rebranded back into the George Inn. We chat with the owner, Rick Turner, about his big plans to make the George Inn a real landmark hotel in Oakham Marketplace. I know you will enjoy our discussion, so please leave a comment via your favourite platform. You can now listen and comment via Spotify, YouTube, Amazon Music, Podbean or Apple Podcasts. When rain stops play, it's time for some pub natter. So we're in the Whipper Inn in uh, Oakham Marketplace in Rutland with the owner of the Whipper Inn, Rick Turner. Um, if, in fact, is it the Whipper Inn? <laughs> we are just on the cusp of transforming from the Whipper Inn into the George Inn. Literally within the next few days that process will happen. So it's going to be the George Inn in Oakham. The George Inn, Oakham. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, so is that going to be new signage? Yeah, so we've had a lick of paint on the exterior facades, which you might have seen. We are literally waiting for our signage to arrive. Our website has all been created. All of our sort of uh, media has all been uh, transformed from Whipper to the George Inn, and the Whipper Inn will f finally be able to retire. Sure. So, sorry, um, is it named for any particular George? First, second, third? All I know it was that it used to be called the George Hotel, um, and that's as much as I I know. But I suspect it will have been based. I mean, I understand the reason that they had simple names with images on pub signs is because people's literacy wasn't very good, and therefore it just made <laughs> it easier for people to remember. I think that was the history of pub signage. Um, you know, there were images and words which people recognised. You know, fox and hounds, yeah, they're very, very simple imagery so that people could understand, and, and pictures, because a lot of people couldn't read. Sure. I mean, we'll get on talk about the, the inn shortly, but first of all, let's just start off by you telling us about your backstory. So where, where were you originally from? So I was born in Sheffield uh, and uh, raised just outside Sheffield in a little village called Holmesfield in Derbyshire. So just on the edge of the Peak District. So does that make you a Sheffield United or Sheffield Wednesday or Derby County fan? Well, interesting. I don't really do football. If you really pushed me, I'd probably say I was a Sheffield United fan uh, just because I had a lot of friends who supported that particular side of the, the, the city's team. But yeah, I, don't, I, I have to say I don't, I'm, I'm not a football man. 
It's not something I follow. Probably just as well being a Sheffield United supporter. <laughs> <laughs> Better being a QPR supporter. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so you were born, born and bred. Born in, in, in Sheffield, yeah. Then bred in, well, born in in uh, Sheffield, raised in Derbyshire. At the age of thirteen, I went to the school of Oundle, just, oh, right. just down the road here. Yeah. Um, so that's why I'm quite familiar with these parts. Um, and I haven't particularly got a Yorkshire or a Derbyshire twang. Um, so I schooled in at Oundle um, and frequented, therefore, the George of Stamford uh, a fair amount on Sundays and high days and holidays when parents were allowed to come and take us out. Mm. And, in fact, spent a lot of time in the Haycock um, at Wandsford, which was actually better mm. then than the George of Stamford. Really? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was all part of the same group owned by the same family. I can't say I've ever been. And then it got bought out by one of the groups oh. and they built the big conferencing centre on it. So then I uh, yeah, went, went to school at Oundle. I then left Oundle and um, effectively went to work. Um, I, did, I was pushed into trying university and lasted six months. <laughs> I really didn't want it to go. I'd, I'd done my education at Oundle. In fact, the last two years at Oundle, I struggled. Um, it's, it's a running theme at the moment is successful business people that didn't go to university. Yes. Yeah, I, I just wanted to get stuck in, and I, and I, I need a context for learning. I can, I'm, I'm very good at learning, but it has to be in a context. There has to be a reason to it or and for it. Mm. So when I started to work, I worked very, very hard, um, and learned a lot because I wanted to apply myself to what I was working at. Um, and my first real proper job was with W. H. Smith News. Um, I went and did a management training program with them, which made me, well, took me around the country. I started off in Birmingham with them. And of course, I, nowadays you couldn't get on that program if you didn't have a university degree. That's correct. Yeah. And that's one of the problems with modern approach to education. But that's another story. Yeah. No. Absolutely. You're absolutely right. Um, I mean, we were. We, I was lucky insofar as the the family business was wholesale news agency. So we were quite well connected to WH Smith News management uh, team, senior management team, which helped a lot. Um, so I went and worked for them, ended up in London running one of their biggest newspaper distribution businesses. And that's when I then joined a cooperative, which my family business uh, was involved in creating. So my, the family business was established in 1492. sorry, 1892. <laughs> So I'm the fifth generation, uh, and that business was was founded on uh, essentially newspaper and magazines. So my great great grandfather Harry Turner came off the boats and landed in Sheffield, and established what you would now know as a news agency business on Bank Street. Um, there's actually a picture of it out in the foyer. Um, when you say came off the boats. You mean he was working on the shipyards? That was, yes. No, no. So, so they were canal uh, people. Oh, right. They were travellers. Absolutely. I was going to say that shepherds a long way from the sea. Yeah. So I was yeah. a bit puzzled by that comment. Yeah, no, yeah they, were, they came off the canals. Um, and, and media was kind of starting to emerge. And he saw an opportunity to, to get involved in reselling newspapers and magazines. And that's what he did. And out of that spawned a whole number of businesses. 
So we, we got into, we, we started in retail newspaper and magazines. We got into wholesale newspapers and magazines, wholesale cash and carry, wholesale wines and spirits, retail sports. And over the generations, it became quite a, a collection of businesses. So when I arrived um, in 1995, when I eventually started to work for the family business, it was 120 million pound turnover group, 1,500 employees, 150 sites, uh, eight businesses, I think, in total. It was quite a significant operation. We did a strategic review in 97, which I was largely part of making happen. Um, and by 2000, we'd sold everything. Wow. And we were sat with a pile of cash and a pile of property because uh, we retained all the property which we uh, had traded out of. Uh, we set about and established a commercial property portfolio, which we then grew. Um, we got involved in other sort of angel-type investments. We then bought a pet food manufacturing business in 2004, which I grew and eventually sold in January of 22. I sold that to Cranswick PLC uh, very well. Uh, and I'd done commercial property, residential property, student property, PVCU manufacturing and distribution, uh, and a little engineering business. I've done quite a lot of businesses, both buying, growing, selling. Um, but the pet food business really was the one that uh, was the most successful. And it was selling that which allowed me to acquire this, which has just been a lifelong passion really to, to own a pub with rooms or a boutique hotel is just something I've always wanted to do and the, the sale of that pet food manufacturing business has put me in a position where financially I, I could without putting myself under too much financial pressure so here we are having a go um, have you moved into Rutland yourself I moved to Rutland f four years ago right so I moved out of Derbyshire in 2011 I went to North Nottinghamshire for six years, and I came here um, thereafter. So, so were you hunting for someone like this? No. Uh, the reason that I came here, I, I originally landed in Exton on Pudding Bag Lane, which was a fantastic address, <laughs> in a little chocolate box uh, thatched cottage. Yeah. Um, beautiful. Um, the reason that I landed here was I actually wanted to go to the Cotswolds, but it was too much of a stretch from the businesses that I was uh, running at the time, which were South Yorkshire, North Nottinghamshire. Um, so this seemed like a good second bet. Same stone. Very similar, actually, um, in terms of its look and feel. Yeah. And I'm so pleased that that happened because Rutland is honest and the Cotswolds is, isn't, <laughs> if Com that makes sense. Commute about. Yeah. It's yeah. very shiny. There's very, some real shiny bits of, of the Cotswolds, and increasingly so. Yeah. So well, I much, much prefer Rutland. How did this happen then? So I was in the throes of virtually completing the sale of the pet food business, scratching my head as thinking to myself, what am I going to do next? Because I'm no good if I'm not under pressure. I've got to have a project. I've got to be doing... Um, I've always wanted to have a boutique hotel. 
I've always, the Georgia Stanford is one of my favorite places, has been all my life um, from when I was at school at Handel. And I looked at it and I thought, do you know what? That uh, Yeah, I might be able to make something of that. And it was clearly unloved um, and underinvested. Um, so I uh, had a chat with Ben Freckingham, uh, who is the, uh, the, the chap um, who buys and sells property locally to see whether or not he knew who the owner was. Um, I mean, yeah, such so many uh, coincidences in this story. He was the general manager here in a former life, so knew the hotel extremely well. He also knew the agent who worked for the family who owned it, Steve Reed, Reed Commercial. So he picked the phone up to Steve. Steve picked the phone up to the owners. And two months later, we were in legals, and a month after that, we were, we'd bought it, sort of thing. So, yeah, it, I think we, we, were, we were lucky insofar as they were probably, you know, coming out of COVID, looking at maybe restructuring the business anyway. We popped our heads up, and, and that was that. Wow. So, I mean, I'm sitting here, I'm trying to describe how this, this is now to listeners. It's... It's very much, if you've been to the George in Stamford, it is quite similar, isn't it, in its, its style, ambiance? Uh, I don't know, because I've only been to the George in Stamford once and I can't <laughs> really remember it. <laughs> yeah, the George of Stamford is a, is a bigger building. Yeah. It's a more grand building. This is a smaller, more intimate yeah. environment. But in terms of the sort of, yeah, the, 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 the open fire, the warmth... The, the sort of general feel and ambience of the place. It, it is of, of an ilk, yeah. Of, yeah. Uh, and, and there are a number throughout the UK of, of sort of coaching in type hotels that have that feel. Mm. The, the, the bit that sets this one apart, and I've done quite a lot of traveling around now. I did a lot of traveling around in this type of hotel before I owned it. I've done more since. What this hotel's full of now is, is nonsense. I call this nonsense and it's <laughs> everywhere there's all sorts of nonsense tranquilments and bits of silliness and paintings and, and yeah. yeah nothing quite matches and it's a real eclectic mix of stuff and and it's like a home yeah because that's what happens in homes as generations roll through things get added in and it's all a bit of a mixture and it doesn't quite all hang together unfortunately a lot of the hotels have been refurbished by interior designers who have to do a job very quickly. And you can't accumulate all the nonsense to do the job in the time that you've got available. Sure, yeah. So, so all, all of the stuff that's... Uh, I know it's difficult on a podcast for people to envisage this, but all the stuff that we can see around us, you haven't bought this here. This is just accumulated over decades, centuries. No, 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 no. We've So I've spent a year accumulating all this nonsense. So most of the nonsense that you see is new. Oh, but right. it looks like it's been here forever. Yeah, <laughs> you've done a good job of that. Yeah, yeah I second that. Definitely. That's the trick, isn't it? It looks like it's been here forever. Yeah. But it's actually all new. It looks a bit like Everything's Frasier new. Crane's apartment, for those that watch Frasier. So, yeah. so how much nonsense did you get rid of to, in order to accumulate the new nonsense? Quite a lot. 
Yes. Well, uh, and how uh, did you determine what was unwanted nonsense and, and wanted nonsense? Well, there wasn't a lot of nonsense here, to be fair. Oh, OK. But all of the previous um, decor, you know, in terms of chairs and tables and... Yeah, I mean, it was fitted out like a, like a little chef, really, when we came. It was completely inappropriate. There's nothing wrong with red leather, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or slippery, greasy floors. <laughs> and, the, and the catalogues. Did you have the sullen serving people as well? <laughs> <laughs> and the pictures of the food that didn't match the food when it arrived. Yeah. <laughs> Terrible photographs. 13.95 from Olympic <laughs> breakfast. Yeah. I'm sure those photographs are of plastic food. Yeah, I'm sure you're <laughs> right. They never look the same, does it? I, I, yeah. once, I was once on one of my many diets, and I went into a little chef and I was not eating carbs so I decided to have an omelette and I asked for an omelette and the chap that served me said oh, we haven't got any omelettes <laughs> I said I've got an omelette what do you mean you haven't got any omelettes do, do you not you, you must have some eggs I said no no, but well, we do, but that's not how we make the omelettes. They, 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 they just come in a box. <laughs> in a box. <laughs> Put them in the microwave. <laughs> Fantastic. Did you have yeah. a flashback to the States? <laughs> so, yeah, when, when people talk to us about... When we came, we got a lot of ask, asked a lot of questions. What are you going to do? And it's quite a difficult question to answer because what we were going to do is create a feeling... And that feeling's made up of all sorts of different things. So, so the, the whole idea is when you come in to the Georgian in Oakham, it gives you a feeling. And it's, it's colour, it's nonsense, it's lighting, it's products, it's odour. It, it, it's lots and lots of things that create a, an ambiance, create a feeling. Um, and it's actually it's quite difficult to write down and design. You just kind of have to build it as you go because you can't go out and look for nonsense you just have to go out and look at nonsense and make a decision that yeah that's the right type of nonsense that's going to fit with the hotel yeah it's 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 a yeah it was really difficult to start with to answer that question what are you going to do because the answer was we're going to create a, f a feeling and not an ambiance and my sense is that's what we've done yeah because that's what people are telling us if you were to write that down and describe it, you probably wouldn't be able to do it. Correct. So it's just something that's actually going on in your head and nobody else really knows. And it's constantly evolving. The whole, you know, we're, we're gathering nonsense. We're, we're changing things. We're, it, it, every time you come in here, there'll be something new that's been slightly moved. And it's, you know, it's a bit... The way I perceive this building is that I perceive it as my home. This is my parlour. You're my guests. It's my dining room. They're my bedrooms. It's my bar. It's my snug. It's my garden. And I very much sort of fitted it out in, in that way with that thinking. What do I want? Mm. What do I, what, what's going to make me feel relaxed? Sure. Well, happy. That was going to go one of two ways, wasn't it, really? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I guess the evidence is that it, you got it right because we're sat in here now and it's pretty busy. Yeah, it's two thirds full. We yeah. can see Pe people on a Thursday night. People genuinely come in here and say it's like going home. It is. And going back to the George analogy, the one thing I like about going in there 
is that you can sit down and have a conversation with somebody in a comfortable chair. Absolutely. And a decent pint. Absolutely. Mm. And what's really interesting is that it, it, it's a mixture in here tonight, but very often it's full of ladies because they feel safe. It's quieter and they can all meet together and have their little sort of little natter in a quiet environment. The chaps tend to go to the pub and the ladies tend to come here for a natter and a glass of wine. So it's, it's quite interesting how that mm. this, demographic a, a, a split here. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, we do get Jensen as well, but there's definitely a, a slight bias towards, and increasingly now what's happening is that we're getting more business people coming in to have a little business meeting because again it's quiet. You can find a little corner. You know we've got some nice products, well presented. Sure. So if they're meeting customers or suppliers or that sort of thing, um, so it's very, it's very much it isn't a pub. It isn't a pub. It's a much quieter, more comfortable environment to sure. a county hotel yeah feel if you are enjoying this podcast please leave us a comment in your preferred app if you have suggestions for rutland pubs or local guests that you would like to see featured please get in touch so what is your philosophy on food um we want to we want to serve uh good quality uh English food, uh, well served, well presented, well cooked, at a fair price, in a reasonably formal environment, but not a starchy environment. So we want people to come and have a, to be able to have a really good time, eat some really good food, have some really good service, and have a really good time. So, so, so it's a balance, really, between having some formality and some standards. So you're not coming in here in your cut-off denims and a, and a vest? Absolutely not. But, but you're not coming in here. Uh, in your jeans and a, and a fleece, you're fine. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And there's a level of sort of decorum, behaviour that we would expect. Um, yeah, we have got to protect the environment for, you know, reasonable, sensible um, people. Um, and unfortunately, in hospitality, you are presented with licorice all sorts. Uh, you add, al add alcohol into that mix, and that changes behaviour a lot. And so, yeah, we're, we're really conscious that we need to protect the environment um, and keep it as balanced as we can so that everybody can enjoy it. And it's a real challenge, actually, that is. Well, anywhere challenge. that bans pool sliders gets my vote. <laughs> <laughs> if you are enjoying this podcast... Please leave us a comment in your preferred app. If you have suggestions for Rutland pubs or local guests that you would like to see featured, please get in touch. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, paint us a picture of the future of the George Inn. What would it look like in five years' time to walk in here? In particular, you've, you've got the next three properties, but I believe one of them's remaining. Uh, as it is. That's right. So when we bought the hotel, we did four deals consecutively, literally. So, so to describe it to somebody that hasn't been here, we're in a, a square marketplace, and this sits along the, one of the longest sides of the, the marketplace. And because it's rectangular, not square. 
<laughs> because if it was square, there wouldn't be a longer yeah, side. Yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah we sat along. Yeah, the longer side, and there are there are three retail properties further along from the so long side of the rectangle. Uh, one which is currently occupied by Cancer Research UK, the mm. second one which was formerly a Chinese restaurant, and the third one which is currently occupied by Curtis the Bakers. We bought all those three retail units when we bought the hotel. Did you know that you would be able to buy all four, or did you take a chance on whether you'd be able to do that? I bought the, the, the literally the deals were lined up consecutively. So this one had to complete first. Right. And then the others would have completed. And if we hadn't have completed this one, we wouldn't have followed through. But, but, on they, the they, but they were locked in. They were in legals and all set yeah. to happen at the same time in that sequence. But the other parties didn't know about the other transaction. Oh, I see. So, so they, they, so they, they off, weren't conditional. They're all off market. Right. Oh, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. So, so this is going to run quite a long way along this, this road then. It is. So, so the, the real, one of the reasons for doing that was that the car park, which the hotel has, which is off Burley Road, yeah. used to be disconnected from the hotel. So you used to have to park your car and walk up Burley Road to get to the hotel. By buying the real estate, which we've just talked about, we've connected the hotel to the car park. So you can now park your car in the car park and walk into the back of the hotel. That's a huge tick. Uh, and we've lit it, and it's more civilised and surfaced. And, you know, if you're coming there with a nice car, you would feel relatively confident about leaving it in that car park, whereas previously you probably wouldn't. And what it also does is, at the moment, if you imagine we have 20 rooms, uh, which is a lot more than people perceive because the frontage is quite, you know, it's quite narrow. It's the depth of the hotel that gives it its size right the way through to Burley Road. So if you've got 20 rooms, f double occupancy, 40 people, all wanting to come and have a glass of wine in our parlour, or a beer in our bar, or a meal in our dining room, they're not big enough to accommodate that many people. So the public area, as it currently exists, isn't really quite big enough to support the hotel if it was full and all those guests wanted to dwell and use the public areas, let alone anybody who locally who wanted to come in and use it. So what the new real estate on the side is going to allow us to do is to relocate our dining room into that space, which will be marketplace facing, put a new kitchen behind it, move the bar, which is currently on the frontage, into the dining room, which will then flow out into the garden, and it will allow us to extend our parlour into the bar. So the comfortable quieter areas will be double the size. The bar will probably be treble the size. The bar will be connected to the garden, which works. And our dining room will be 60 covers rather than 40 covers, which will allow enough room for people to, from the hotel to eat if it's full and for locals to enjoy that as well. So that sort of acquisition strategy solved all those inherent problems that the hotel has. Oh, wow. So... That's well, a very... Yeah. It's quite visionary. I'm just... I'm sorry, I'm quite fixated with the idea that you had all four lined up, but but any one of them at any time could have pulled out 
and would have you could, could have ended up with a a tooth missing if you like from the from the set. Well, no, because this one had to happen first. So it was all teed up that this completed and then the others completed. So if I hadn't have got this, I wouldn't have bought them. If I had bought this and I hadn't got been able to one. buy those, it would have been it would have been more difficult. Well, it would have been impossible to realise the vision I've just articulated. But it could still have been made to work. And this business, even now, we are a year in. We've rebuilt it. If we wanted to, we could stop here. And it could be tight and overfull. And we could we could manage that. Because that's a high class problem, isn't it? If the hotel's full and we actually can't accommodate everybody to drink and they've got to go somewhere else. If you know, our hotel's full. So it, it, it's still a it's still a commercial proposition to run it as it is. But it does have those inherent problems which bolting that on resolves. I'm curious also, I've read about a cinema. Yeah, so part of the plan, which we'll see therefore a slight reduction in the number of rooms that we have, Right out at the back on the Burley Road elevation, we're going to put a boutique cinema in it, we're going to put a gym in it, and we're going to put a little spa offering in it. And the whole idea behind that is to really make it a destination boutique hotel that people can travel to from out of the county, drop anchor, and there's a level of amenity within the hotel which, which keeps them within the hotel. Uh, so, you know, come on a Friday night, get up on a Saturday morning, you can have a pamper if you wanted to, you can go and do some exercise in the gym if you wanted to, you can then sit and have something to eat in the dining room, you could go and watch a film on the Saturday afternoon. So, yeah, it's all part of building a level of amenity, which, which wow. means that people stay within the four walls of the hotel. And if I'm really, really honest with you, <laughs> the reason we're having those things is because it's my house and I want them. <laughs> <laughs> and that's serious. You know, I, I love the idea of being able to sit down and watch a film in a, in a proper sort of cinema environment. I love the idea of having a little gym that I can go and ex exercise in. And I love the idea of having a little jacuzzi and a sauna and a steam room because I'll use it. Yeah, especially in this weather. <laughs> so, so that's fantastic. When when's um, when's it all going to happen? Yeah. Well, that's the million dollar question. So you are well, the two million dollar question from what I've read. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you again, very very good timing for you guys. Cancer Research UK have finally just confirmed that they are moving out of that unit, and they're moving to a new unit um, up in the industrial area. And that looks likely to be Q2 uh, this year. So at least that will pave the way for that to happen. What we're absolutely going to do this year is we're going to do that Burley Road elevation. So we're going to do the cinema, the spa and the gym. Mm. That'll be done this year. And I suspect the new dining room will happen next year. So reasonably quickly. Mm. I'm so not getting any younger. <laughs> so, so when would you say that everything will be completed by? Best case scenario. 
it's a three to five year project. Right. Yeah. And the other thing is, I'm very, very lucky insofar as I'm under no commercial pressure to do this. So I'll do it when I'm ready to my timing. And what we will do is we'll do it right. Sure, yeah. You know, that's what we've done with everything as we've gone. We've come under a lot of pressure. When are you going to do this? When are you going to do food? When are you going when we can, we we are the opposite of most hospitality businesses insofar as most hospitality businesses say yes and then work out how to do it. We often say no if we're not confident we can do it because we do not want to under-deliver. We want to undersell and over-deliver. Are, are there any issues, the fact that it's a grade two listed building? It's it's very mm. protected under that legislation, which is absolutely right. But fundamentally, w we mm. want to restore it. The fab, the, the actual structure of the building, we like don't want to touch. Do, is, yeah. Really, it's a it's it's a fit out. You know, the bar turning the dining room into a bar is a fit out. Turning the bar into a parlour is a fit out. The two retail uh, premises next door, turning them one back to a restaurant that was a restaurant and and a retail unit to a restaurant, it's a fit out. You know, the facade doesn't change. The, the, the structure of the buildings doesn't change. We, we want to punch one doorway through f to connect through. But that's not going to be contentious. Um, so, no, we, this is fundamentally a refurbishment, a restoration project. We wouldn't want to see, in going back to your question, what we're going to see in three to five years' time, when you walk back into this parlour, I hope you'll think it's not changing. A bit more nonsense, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. But that's what that's the idea. It will have. It will have changed, because we will have fundamentally refurbished it, because we'll have done that, and we'll work our way through this. But the trick will be, when you come back in three to five years' time, you think... Mm, I think I'll be coming back regularly. I quite like it. <laughs> yeah. So when, when you <laughs> completed the vision, as it were, do you expect mm. locals to just pop in for a couple of beers uh, or are you you're not aiming absolutely. at uh, to, to exclusivity no, no, or anything like that absolutely expect ex absolutely it's open for the hotel guests and it's open for the locals um but it is as i said earlier it is a quieter environment it's a quiet pint um i can't see people coming in here and 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 dwelling um for long you're not going to have time. the football on in the bar or anything um, like that. We're going to have the rugby on. We're going to have the rugby on. And we might have a bit of cricket on. And we might have Wimbledon on. Um, we might have Ascot on. Um, but we're not going to, be going to be competing with the sports bar over in Crown Walk. So let, let's, let's talk beer. Um, next week, um, Camera are going to be having a one of their monthly meetings here. Um, they are. Looking forward to that. Um, I'm learning a bit more about camera. So what are your future plans for real ale in here? Well, it's an interesting area, really. I mean, we are a hotel, and we do sell a lot of gin, a lot of wine, um, and... And an amount of whiskey and brandy, and we we're not beer focused really. 
we we realise that that's got to be a complementary product. I drink bitter, um, and I've worked my way through a few now. I started off with Theakston's, I think, on the hand pull. Uh, we then moved to Ruddles. We then had a go with... Um, we had a go with the local brew, and I can't remember which one it was okay. from the grain store. 10.50. I think it might have been 10.50. What's well, the Ruddles? Cooking in 10.50 have been around since the grain store opened. I think it might have been 10.50. And now, and now you've got a ha but Hammersmith brewery. The prop... That's right. That's right. We got. Then the reason we got that was because because our supplier ran out of Ruddles. Um, I liked Ruddles because it's the old Rutland brand, obviously. Um, I much prefer the London Pride product. We did do some work with the local the brewer that you doesn't. mentioned. Give earlier. them a shout out because um, they're from Rutland. The Baker's doesn't. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but then again, this is going to sound bizarre. Everybody's got the local ale. That I think that conversation's worth having next week with camera. Yeah, everybody's got it. Yeah. And I want to differentiate. Baker's dozen is less uh, prolific than obviously the grain store, and Oakham Ale. Oakham yeah, they're from Peterborough. Yeah. They're the sort of new kids on the block, if you like, which is why we, we did do some work with them. But it's not... If I were going to list all of the things that I'd got to do to make the products better, to service the clientele that we are aiming at, it wouldn't be <laughs> that high on the list. No, <laughs> absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Fantastic. That was... Um it was a really nice chat, wasn't it? You should say, say that no. since you're <laughs> no, late lumbering <laughs> with it. Yes. Um, Rick, thank you very much for your time this evening. It's, uh, it's been, been really an absolute interesting. pleasure, and I'm sure that our listeners are going to love and that. Yet another publican um, hotel good. owner. Thank you very much. Who is in a world that everyone is telling us is collapsing and failing, and we keep meeting people that are are either new to it or relatively new to it. And they're making a success of it. And they're making a success of it by just having a a vision of their own that they're trying to bring to life. And so it can be done. We wish you all a success. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to our chat with Rick. Next episode features the chairman of Rutland County Council, Andrew Brown, JP, and was recorded on the same day as Rick in the George Inn. So that's a wrap. And thank you for listening to our latest pub natter. If you visit timothyives.com forward slash pub natter, you will find photos, links and more information about each episode. Please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and please subscribe to ensure you don't miss a pub or one of our amazing guests. The Pub Natter theme tune is by Tom Arnold. That was a Pub Natter broadcast. Thank you.